There's a saying that Episcopalians like to say that has gotten a lot of mileage in the Episcopal Church, and perhaps you've heard it, it goes something like this. When you come to the Episcopal Church, you don't have to check your brain at the door. Has anyone heard that phrase before by a show of hands? Okay, so some, some of us have, not all of us. People love it. They really do. But the thing is, I kind of hate it. <laughs> what it's trying to say, I think what it's trying to say, is that Episcopalians are pretty smart Christians who have a nuanced view of the relationship between science, scripture, and doctrine. But I think what it actually says is that Episcopalians aren't like those backward fundamentalist types who cling to their Bibles like flat earthers clinging to geocentric cosmology, uh, who are dumb enough to believe that the earth is only about 6,000 years old, um, as well as those ridiculous Bible stories about healing and miracles, you know, the virgin birth and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, etc., etc. To me, not only is the saying that Episcopalians don't check their brain at the door not true, after all, theological liberals can be just as close-minded as fundamentalists. Even worse, it makes us sound like a bunch of jerks. It assumes wrongly that Christians of other theological persuasions can't possibly have reasoned their way to their commitments. It smacks of a certain smugness, as if other Christians don't have anything to teach us we who have claimed the intellectual high ground of the faith. I do think that Episcopalians are, by and large, pretty smart Christians and are capable of a richly intellectual faith, but our intellect is also our Achilles heel, and our ability to reason, or what, what we think of as reason, can also lead us into deeply problematic territory if it is left undisciplined by both scripture and tra tradition. Uh, when, for example, a well-known bishop of our church feels the need to write books which say that Jesus was not God made flesh and that God is not involved in the life of God's creation in any significant way and that miracles do not happen and have never happened, well, then something has gone very, very wrong. Now, I don't believe in trickle-down economics, but I do believe in trickle-down theologies. And so when bishops and priests repackage ancient heresies as fashionable new doctrines, um, they will eventually uh, take root within the wider church. Should it really be shocking, then, if so many of our fellow Episcopalians don't really hold to the faith that is articulated in the Nicene Creed. It may very well be that Episcopalians are those who don't check their brain at the door, but can we also claim that we have not checked our faith? The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed. 
you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. As I see it, there are two ways to read this parable. The first is that Jesus is mental. He's crazy because he thinks that we can make stuff fly if we just believe really, really hard. The second way to read the parable is to conclude that you have to have faith for it to grow. And if you don't have it, then you can't grow it. The apostles, it turns out, would have made very good Episcopalians because they think they've got the whole faith thing figured out and are just looking for Jesus to help them do it better. Increase our faith, Lord. And it is through their encounter with Jesus where they learn that they most certainly do not. They don't got it. They don't got even a mustard seed of it. Christians of all kinds, Episcopalian and otherwise, we are in the shoes of the apostles. Even when we've brought our brains with us, even when we think that we've climbed all the way up the ladder of orthodoxy, we don't got it. Faith is not something we possess because faith does not exist by nature. Faith only exists by grace through an encounter with the Lord Jesus. And it is his faith, not ours, that saves us. Jesus bears the faith that we do not have. He is not a historical figure. I'm going to say that one again. He is not a historical figure. He is a living person to be encountered. And it is in our encounter with Jesus that faith happens. Not our faith, but his. My vision for St. Paul's is that we would be a place where people come to encounter the faith through a relationship with Jesus Christ. But what does that mean exactly? It could mean a lot of things. It could mean that we're opened up to the extraordinary power of forgiveness, the knowledge that God stands ready to forgive even those things of which our conscience is afraid, to use the words of today's collect. Perhaps it means watching like Habakkuk, the prophet, living by faith in a time when justice comes forth perverted and by caring for the poor, the needy, and the oppressed. Perhaps encounter with Christ means that our prayer practices are strengthened or that we find healing from the ways that we are suffering, whether it's in body or in mind or spirit. Whatever else it means, encountering Christ begins right here as church, gathered together at our Lord's holy table, encountering him through the mystery of his most precious body and blood. Today's gospel lesson on faith doesn't explicitly broach the topic of money as it has during the last several weeks of our lectionary. And yet the connection between faith and stewardship is an implied one. Remember the verse from just a few weeks ago 
the gloss on the parable of the unjust steward Jesus gives right at the end. Whoever is faithful in very little is faithful also in much. Along the lines of today's lesson, it only takes a mustard seed. This is a timely message for us at St. Paul's because today we kick off our annual stewardship season. And in the weeks to come, we'll be talking about things like pledging and finances and about how each of us can be faithful stewards as we are members of this church. It's a time when we can take a step back and remember that everything we have, everything, our life, our faith, our money, is essentially always and already God's. And whatever gifts that we give are nothing more than a grateful return of that which God has already given us. In other words, it's a time for us to revisit our priorities as we think about how we use our money and where it goes. Ultimately, our faith, our money, our time and talent is all about worship, which I think also has to mean that it's all about joy. Because everything begins and ends with the experience of our life as a gift, and God as the giver of this gift, trusting that God will continue to give to us what we do not have, even something as small as a mustard seed, and trusting that God will continue to give again and again and again. Amen.